This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Fat Tuesday, February 21st. Grab a poonchki and enjoy the Noon Business Hour. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Hart. Chicago's municipal election a week from today. We'll update the crowded contest for mayor in our next segment. But right now, the numbers are out on sales of existing homes last month. Let's see what they signal with the help of Diane Swank, chief economist, KPMG, based in Chicago. Diane, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. U.S. home sales declined in January for the 12th consecutive month. And, uh, Diane, you don't have to have a Nobel Prize in economics to know that uh, when mortgage rates double over the course of a year, home sales slow down. Exactly. And what we're seeing are the home sales that were booked as mortgages back when rates were at a peak in November. So I think that's very important to remember. What was stunning to see is even with small declines in mortgage rates off these staggeringly high levels with prices still elevated, coming down in some markets quite a bit, but overall not enough, we still had a rebound in mortgage applications in January. There was still 40% below a year ago, but even little declines in rates triggered some rebound in economic activity in the sector that's been hit hardest by a recession. It actually has been in a recession, one of the few sectors that has been in a full-blown recession in the housing market. And that's really important to the Federal Reserve because it underscores something the Federal Reserve is struggling with is, one, the resilience of the U.S. economy overall and how sensitive we are to rate cuts instead of rate hikes. This is a complete opposite of where we were um, before the pandemic. And that's very important to understand because it's ratcheting up the pressure on the Fed to go even further with rate hikes and also to get financial markets to work with them instead of against them. Let's put some of the, uh, the, the the housing market in perspective. You touched on it very briefly, and that is going into uh, 2022, the housing market was uh, beyond red hot. It was white hot. And uh, if, if you uh, hesitated, if you were in the housing market, if you're trying to buy a home or sell a home, if you hesitated for just a moment, you could find that uh, uh, either you know the house you wanted to buy was gone, uh, you had to rent it to, 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 because you you were unable to, to you sold your house and weren't able to find a new one. It was just that competitive. How much air has been taken out of the housing market and how much is left to go? Well, not enough. And what's really interesting here is first-time buyers are being crowded out, but the extraordinary excess savings we've seen is helping 
older um, parents actually help out their younger children um, or millennials now, which aren't actually children, moving into their prime home buying years, put a larger down payment down to be able to qualify for a mortgage on these more expensive homes. But I think what's really important is affordability is an issue. And we've seen, we we still see supply constrained because 40% of mortgages out there are paid off entirely. 90% are fixed to low-rate mortgages. So many people are realizing they could actually rent out their home and make a profit and do that instead of putting their home up for sale. And that is further constraining the supply of homes on the market. So even as this housing market has been in the worst recession on um, for the last three quarters, but six quarters of decline so far since its peak, the worst recession since the subprime crisis, and numbers that are, you know, huge declines in volumes, the pricing activity, although it's rolled over, has not come down as much because of this incredible shortage of housing on the market. Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, the latest on the race for mayor of Chicago. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's the final week of campaigning ahead of Chicago's municipal election. Let's get the very latest on the last mile from Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, You know, you've probably heard it too, but uh, longtime politicos will tell you under no circumstances do you get any really good, actionable information from early voting totals where the uh, early ballots and mail-in ballots are being returned uh, with the greatest numbers. But uh, if you violate that rule and you take a look at where the early votes are coming in, you got to feel pretty good if you're Paul Vallis these days. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, that rule is not uh, is not absolute, uh, Rob, but uh, it does it correctly says that you don't want to overinterpret or put too much reliance on the on the results. That having been said, uh, we're uh, we've passed the hundred thousand vote mark so far, which is probably about uh, that's ten percent uh, almost of the of the number of Chicagoans who are eligible to vote, and it's coming out. Uh, the way it usually does, but on, but kind of on steroids, uh, very heavily on uh, the far northwest sides and the far southwest sides, uh, and in uh, the southern part, the more conservative part of the lakefront, uh, the, the the second ward, the 42nd ward, the 43rd ward, the 44th ward. Those are the areas where Paul Vallis is the strongest, uh, and there's a huge vote come out. It, I don't think it's for Willie Wilson. I don't think it's for Lloyd Lightfoot. And if I were the Vallis campaign, I would... Uh, uh, I would. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't pack up and proclaim victory, but I take some heart in that. If uh, the, the question, it seems that uh, some analysts are raising. I don't know if you're one of the analysts raising them. Is that uh, is this going to shape up to be Paul Vallis and Challenger once all the votes are counted uh, uh, one week from tonight? That is certainly what the political pros are whispering. Uh, I'll, I'll put an asterisk at the beginning of this. Uh, the only vote that counts is the one that, kind of, that uh, won't conclude until next Tuesday, so we don't know for sure. But uh, the, the, the sense of, of the political pros now uh, and the way the candidates are acting suggests that they pretty much assume that Dawes is going to make the runoff. So the race is between who, who else is in the runoff. Is it Mayor Lightfoot? 
or is it uh, Congressman Garcia, or is it uh, County Commissioner Brandon Johnson? I can make a case for any of the three of those, uh, but uh, they seem to be going after each other these days more than they're going after Mr. Vallis. Is uh, Vallis also the beneficiary of uh, some other factors that aren't necessarily related to his campaign? Because you do have competitive campaigns for aldermen on the northwest side and the southwest side, as well as competitive campaigns for those police district councils, and that might be a tailwind that is benefiting him as far as the early vote is concerned. None of that hurts him any, uh, but what I think helps him is is that the mega issue is crime. Uh, people in the stone are worried about it. They, uh, they, they wonder whether the current incumbent is up, up to snuff in dealing with it, and he is just focused like a laser on that. Uh, Paul Vows has a reputation of being undisciplined and a wanderer in the other place, and you ask him a 10-second question, he'll give you a 40-minute 40, 40 answer, but he's really focused on that very narrowly and made the point. I think that's that's what's what that's sunk through and all this other stuff is uh, is ancillary. One other thing that was interesting about uh, the, the the Paul Vallis campaign, especially how it's now conducting itself, that now they know they're in the catbird seat uh, as, as far as this campaign is concerned, is that he's sounding very much like a regular Democrat when it comes to a lot of other issues. He was endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police, the union that invi- that uh, encouraged members to see Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, in Elmhurst yesterday, and the Vallis campaign issued a pretty strong statement against his visit. Uh, that's a little proactive uh, offense. Uh, uh, assuming Mr. Vallis makes the uh, uh, makes the runoff, whoever is, is competing against him almost certainly is going to be to his political left. Uh, they're going to be in political left in the city that is majority minority now. Uh, uh, whites, uh, uh, Latinos, and blacks are, are about equal. Uh, uh, this is a city that's had to Tremendous problems with police abuse. Having accepted those things, Valsnell's got to run to the middle and reassure the rest of the city and get the votes who, who aren't going to go for him this time to go with the next time. And he does that by by attacking uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Governor DeSantis for coming in. Uh, the other candidates are going to say, oh, that's politics and it's not sincere. We've seen the real Vallis and he's a tr- uh, true blood Republican, uh, uh, quiet Trump fan. Uh, that's going to play out. And he and what he's doing is clearly to try to better position himself, you are correct, for the second round, not just the first round. Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for the heat check on the mayor's race seven days from today. That's Election Day. Up next on this Travel Tuesday, some good news for families flying together. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday, and Chicago-based United Airlines is making an effort to be more family-friendly. Let's get the details from Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul, based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us once again today. At first glance, it sounds like this policy is geared toward the uh, parents who are planning summer vacations or spring break trips, but uh, it seems like the real uh, audience for this particular policy change is uh, the person sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, served both by uh, Reagan Airport and Dulles. That's certainly a good observation when the president makes a comment that you should treat children like baggage, that's certainly uh, a shot that the airline CEOs have noticed. You know, they're, they're trying to fend off airline bill of rights legislation, which could come down hard on, you know, operational practices, conveniences, cancellations. 
So United rolling out this new family-friendly policy where people on basic economy, families, can uh, uh, sit together and do that in advance without getting the airport, you know, stressed out if they're going to have to split up. President Biden teed off on airline fees during his State of the Union speech a couple of weeks ago. And as you said, this seems like an effort to uh, meet the White House and federal regulators in the middle on the subject of fees before legislation is imposed on them. Yeah, that's right. These tech conveniences aren't that difficult. Of course, they they have to be done flawlessly. It could have chaos at the airport. Uh, the air, other airlines look they're going to try to match, but it does require some tech enhancements where you can go in and actually pick your seat on base economy, you know, for children under 12, and other uh, passengers will have to pay for that. So when you roll something out as large as United, you know, it really needs to be beta tested because you end up not delivering on the promise, and you're going to have some really stressful situations at the airport. So United is offering, you know, if you can't get a seat together, you can switch flights free of charge. You know, but that's small consolation for travelers. Joe, I have to uh, confess ignorance here because uh, as a casual family traveler myself, uh, I am intimately familiar with uh, Southwest Airlines' method of operation, which is uh, can we all get in the A group or the B group or the C group, and then uh, you do a little horse trading on the plane with uh, passengers who are already there if you want your family to sit together. But uh, in recent years, have airlines uh, uh, charged as an upgrade the ability to uh, pick one, two, three, four, or five seats together? You know, they're really, uh, you know, Southwest for the open seating, they ran into some problems because people are starting to go in and save seats, and that sort of defeats the whole purpose of uh, of doing it in a way where, you know, you board by priority. So Southwest is going to experiment with different things, too. But, you know, with United, uh, it certainly is difficult uh, when uh, you do have large families to think you're going to have five seats together with the load factors being what they are. So I do think this is going to be a, a mixed bag for people. But I do think if you can certainly sit in clusters, that's going to help. Uh, but, you know, a lot of uh, United plans going to build to the max. So uh, this will be a delicate uh, process. Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on this Travel Tuesday, strategies for getting the best value for your spring break trip. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden pledges that the U.S. and its allies will have Ukraine's back as it fights off the invasion by Russia. The latest coming up in a special report from CBS News. In Travel Tuesday, spring break returning to normal levels, and that means prices are rising and the Easter Bunny is set to make a big return this holiday season. WBBM Business, the markets are lower today. 
today. The Dow is down 568 points. The Nasdaq is down 242. S&P 500 is down 69. AccuWeather says sunshine today. Some clouds with a cold, gusty breeze. A high of just 37. Wind chills in the 20s. Right now we have 32 degrees under partly sunny skies at O'Hare, Midway, and the lakefront. It's 1231. CBS News special report. President Biden delivered an address in Warsaw, Poland today, a day after a surprise trip to Kiev, Ukraine, and doubled down on the U.S. and NATO's support. One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kiev. Well, I just come from a visit to Kiev, and I can report Kiev stands strong. Mr. Biden also warned Russia that the coalition will not back down. Yes, we would stand up for sovereignty, and we did. Yes, we would stand up for the right of people to live free from aggression, and we did. And we would stand up for democracy, and we did. Earlier today, Russia's President Putin did speak through an interpreter and accused the West of using Ukraine against them. The Ukrainian nation is actually an alien nation. They're not serving the national interest. They're serving the interests of third parties. The West uses Ukraine as a ram against Russia. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Lance Roberts, chief investment strategist with RIA Advisors based in Houston. The website realinvestmentadvice.com. Find him on Twitter at Lance Roberts. Find him on the radio right now. Lance, thanks for joining us once again today. (laughs) At uh, 10.20 this morning, the uh, story of the day so far was the kind of gloomy outlook on retail from Walmart and from Home depot is that still weighing on the markets today or have those individual stocks recovered um no they're still weighing on the markets today but the the real story here though is something we've talked about for a while is that the markets this year ran up very sharply since the beginning of the year on this idea the fed was going to pivot and stop hiking interest rates Last week on Thursday, uh, two Fed presidents came out and basically said, no, um, not only are we not stopping hiking rates, we may need to go further because inflation isn't coming down. Of course, we have a strong economic employment report, a strong retail sales number. That certainly feeds into this worry for the Fed that inflation will remain entrenched and, of course, higher rates now starting to impact the markets. And the uh, the bet going into 2023 was that the federal funds rate would peak where? Because now we're looking at possibly five and a quarter when it's all said and done. And looking back on the early 80s when interest rates were in the double digits, five and a quarter just seems like a return to the way things were in 2007. Well, there's a big difference between now and then, Rob, which is debt. Um, Back in the late 70s, the average household had about 60% of debt to net worth versus 150% of debt to net worth today. So the the economy is so focused and so driven by, by so much debt, and that debt is required to have a low interest rate. So these increases in interest rates is certainly going to impact the consumer. Saw that with Home Depot and Walmart today. You're going to hear that with other retail sales as we go forward. But the Federal Reserve, again, you know, their expectation is is five and a quarter to five and a half to try to get inflation under control. But, you know, that's going to have a real impact on consumption, which is, you know, the problem for consumers right now. Which means uh, households will be spending more on debt service and less on other things. And does right. that does that mean that uh, a soft landing is uh, is is still part of the equation, or uh, that that recession is the only outcome of what they're trying to do? 
Well, the, the issue, if you talk to the Fed, right, the Fed's been clear. We, we're going to need some pain, their words, not mine. We need some pain in order to get inflation back under control. Uh, to them, that is a recession. Now, the, the depth of the recession will be a different story. Historically, when the Fed hikes rates, they've always either caused a recession or some type of credit-related event. So the aggressiveness and the steepness of this current rate hiking campaign certainly suggests that there's risk of a recession. But there's a lot of liquidity. If you take a look at money supplies or percentage of GDP, there's a ton of liquidity still in the markets that may soften that blow a bit. So, again, maybe we have a recession, maybe it's a mild recession, but ultimately at the end of the day, it all comes down to the consumer and how much they can withstand in terms of rates. Looking at the Dow uh, off by uh, almost a little over 1.5% today, the NASDAQ off by 2%, S&P 500 off by uh, 1.7%. Uh, is it safe to say the January rally is over and that a, a recalibration is taking place right now? Yes, sir. Um, I actually wrote an article two weeks ago called The Correction Has Started. And, you know, the markets were slow to pick this up initially, and they've been gathering kind of steam the last couple of weeks today, really kind of coming into focus. But we had a really outsized rally. The market was up, you know, over 7% since just January. And really nothing has changed economically, et cetera. So investors have been chasing stocks, even though earnings for corporations are still declining. And so, yeah, the market's having to come back to a little – it's having a reality check is all. So as long as the market can hold in here around 4000 3900 could be a decent buying opportunity in the short term. Lance Roberts, Chief Investment Strategist with RIA Advisors based in Houston, Texas. Find him on Twitter at Lance Roberts. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, ways to keep the cost of a spring break trip down. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday and prices are generally higher this year as inflation and higher demand impact spring break vacations. Let's talk about the situation with Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. Cindy, thank you for joining us today. And it's kind of a, a, a remark on the passage of time, uh, what the words spring break conjure in your mind when you hear them. Uh, about 20 years ago, if I heard the word spring break, I think about the uh, the MTV beach house in some uh, some tropical location. Not that I ever went there or took part in, uh, in that type of spring break activity, but it always... Uh, showed you what you were missing while you went on your spring break trip to St. Louis. And then um, now, though, if uh, you have a family, uh, you, you this is this is a whole production taking you and your spouse and the kids uh, to someplace uh, not Chicago for spring break. So, you know, who's going back on the road this year? Is it the college student or is it the family? Well, I think it's everybody, right? There's a lot of pent-up demand still from the pandemic, and people are life is getting a little more back to normal, but it's not back to normal in the travel biz yet. So airplanes are super full. They can't get pilots. Um, they don't have the planes to fly. It's very hard to buy a plane ticket. It's very expensive to buy a plane ticket. Um, so it's and it's also very expensive to stay in a hotel room. So, you know, the things that we think of as traditional spring break, whether college kids or families, is more expensive and a little harder to come by now than it has been in previous years. Demand is back to pre-pandemic levels, 
but services service levels are not. I, I will say, Cindy, we did uh, kick the tires on the possibility of a spring break trip uh, flying somewhere for a couple of days uh, when uh, the kids are off of school in mid-April and then did a double take at the prices and said, oh, why not a staycation instead? And so we have well, planned out things to do in Chicago during that week while they're off. Would it make more sense then to have a staycation or perhaps go somewhere within driving distance? Yeah, I think there. I think if you haven't already bought your plane tickets for spring break, you're probably not going to be flying anywhere for spring break this year. But there's lots of, of places to drive, and you don't have to do a staycation, although I think spending a week in Chicago is a lovely way to do it. But you can get in the car and drive. If you've got a whole week, you know, you can drive as far as Florida. The panhandle, it can be quite lovely in April, and you don't have to go all the way to Orlando, and you can make it to the panhandle in a, a long day's drive. There are a lot of um, beautiful spots along the way. I mean, you could go to, I'm, I'm a big fan of Nashville, Memphis, all the places along the way that you can find plenty to keep yourselves busy and have a lot of fun on a spring break where you drive. And the reality is families often drive anyway, because when you have to buy four or more plane tickets, it gets expensive even when a ticket doesn't cost a $1,000 round trip. I, I checked the, fl- the flights just this morning from Chicago to Orlando if you wanted to go to Disney or somewhere like that. I, I mean, the best deal I found was close to $650 a person round trip. So if and, you're taking a family, you've already blown the budget on the airfare. And you're sitting outside. Uh, that's It's extra budget seating. Um, that's <laughs> I I, 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 I'm going to vouch, though, for the road trip, because uh, prior to COVID, uh, a little family tradition we had, which was to take the the roadmap of the Midwest, uh, draw a little radius around Chicago. It had to be within six hours. And uh, wherever, whatever big city was inside that bubble, that's where you went. And uh, you know, the, the, I, I joked well, that's about why going. You went to St. Louis. Well, that, that, exactly. And and it turns out it was a lot of fun. And my yeah. oldest daughter still thinks St. Louis is this magical city. Uh, it's the only city in the country with an arch. So uh, she yeah. really enjoyed that. Yeah. Then the following yeah. year, we went to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, which was mm-hmm. a, a lot of fun. You went to the Kentucky Derby. If you're a bourbon person, you get have an adult beverage. So there's an awful lot to do within five or six hours of Chicago and have a fun spring break, a fun family spring break while you're doing it. Absolutely. And because they're not traditional spring break destinations, they're not snow ski vacations and they're not beach warm vacations, you can usually get great deals. Um, The hotels are probably not filled up and there's plenty to do. Um, St. Louis is one of my family's favorite cities, too, because there's so much fun family stuff to do there. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, the Easter Bunny is on the comeback trail. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's been a rough couple of years for in-person holiday events, but many are returning to their pre-pandemic formats. Let's talk about a key figure at Easter celebrations with Mitch Allen, founder and head Elf at HireSanta.com based in Dallas. Mitch, thanks for joining us once again. Of course, uh, Hire Santa is the name, uh, but your organization has branched out uh, into staffing other holidays. And with uh, Santa currently on the beach working on his tan after uh, working very hard during the month of December, uh, you guys are in the business or helping out the Easter Bunny. 
Yeah, that's right. Great to be back. And uh, Easter is just around the corner, and people are having uh, Easter, planning Easter parties more than they've ever done before, uh, getting back out of COVID. And we're happy to help here at Hire Santa staff those Easter Bunny events. There's a little bit of symmetry there that uh, Easter in 2020 was the first holiday to really get zapped by the uh, COVID-19 pandemic shutdowns, uh, everyone social distancing three years ago. And even though uh, there were a lot of restrictions in place and maybe some trepidation about family gatherings in 21 and 22, it seems like Easter is the last holiday to uh, remove all of the uh, COVID-19 shackles. You're exactly right, Rob. And uh, the 2020 Easter, um, you know, we weren't quite closing down and then all of a sudden everything was shut down and all the events were canceled. And you're right, this year, uh, all those events come back very strong and even more uh, than we had uh, pre-pandemic. So we're looking forward to a very big Easter uh, holiday this year. What is the market for Easter Bunny helpers? I mean, we talked about the Santa's helpers who are at the malls, and that clearly is a traditional uh, event. Are there nearly as many shopping mall Easter Bunnies as there are shopping mall Santas? You know, it's probably about 80% of the malls that have Santas also have Easter Bunnies. Um, you know, most of our work here at HireSanta.com for Easter is uh, company events or uh, family gatherings or church gatherings where they're having a big Easter egg um, uh, hunt and they want to have the Easter bunny there to help take pictures as well as participate. When we talked about the uh, qualities of a good Santa's helper, we were talking about uh, empathy, the ability to uh, deal with uh, kids from different situations who may ask some difficult questions and have some difficult requests uh, at holiday time. Uh, What qualities do a good Easter bunny bring to the table outside of a tolerance for being inside the suit? (laughs) You're exactly right. It's a hot job. Uh, You really have to have uh, sort of bigger than life uh, appearance, and you've got to make you know big hand motions, big gestures. Uh, you've got to use your nonverbal communication because you don't speak uh, in the Easter Bunny mascot uh, costume. Yeah, it's it's almost like being a silent movie performer, like a Buster Keaton. Uh, you you mm. can't speak; you, they can't hear you, so you have to be very expressive with the rest of your body. That's right. And you have to be aware, you know, because you can't see very well. Make sure you don't hit anybody accidentally. But lots of high fives, lots of um, uh, emotions that you have to portray with your body as opposed to your voice. And so it takes a a special person to to be a mascot uh, because you do have to have a high tolerance for being hot. Uh, as well as you have to be very expressive with your body. Mitch Allen, founder and head elf, HireSanta.com, based in Dallas. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. Works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.